Well, my name is Cameron, and I'm one of the pastors here at McDowell, and it is so good to be with you. Um, we're talking about prayer today, so I figured, hey, well, let's start with prayer. So let's, let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, we just invite you to be with us today. We just invite your spirit to come fill this place, and, and to everybody that's watching online, and um, God, you want to do good things, and we believe that. And uh, we just thank you for the rain that we have today, and we thank you for your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we have been in the series called 25 Days, and it's 25 days leading up to 25th anniversary, February 7th, which is going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome whether you're online or in person. February 7th, be a part of that day. We're actually going to have some cool swag. Maybe you'll see some people with some sweatshirts that say 25 on them. We're going to have a pop-up store where you can order some, some cool things like Sydney's sweatshirt sitting over here. And so um, if you see that and you're like, hey, where'd you get that sweatshirt? Matt's wearing one today. Mention, hey, where, where do I get that? And we'll have a link for you this week. But 25 days and 25 years, that's pretty incredible, right? That's incredible. And I believe that we've been able to get to 25 years because of the faithful prayers and commitment of people in this community, people like you. And uh, so it's, but we've been saying, hey, every year, kind of January, is a great time to think about, like, who am I becoming? What kind of person am I becoming? And am I, am I focusing my life around the right things? And we build and cultivate habits. Because I'll tell you something that I've learned, I'm a little over 25, but in my 25 years, that I don't drift to becoming a better person. I don't just happen upon it. Like, I actually have to commit to it. I have to wake up every day and say, who do I want to become? And, and, and so we, we gave you these four categories. Wisdom, stature, like your physical stature, physical well-being, you know, like when I was in high school, I just ate bacon cheeseburgers like every day. Thank you, Wendy's. That's not going to work for me in my 30s, you know, and definitely not as I get older. So uh, stature or eating healthy, physical, you know, running and, and getting out and exercising or walking. And maybe you set some goals with that. With God, because we want to connect with our Heavenly Father and with others. We want to become a people who are learning to love those around us. And uh, Jesus was the habits. I don't know if you know it, but if you just read the gospel accounts, I mean, you just see somebody who had just cultivated this, this deep connection with God. And we, I wish we had, like, Jesus's early life, right? I wish we could see what he was like as a teenager. And, and we don't have very many clues, but we do have this, and this is the verse that we kind of set up um, this, this series around, is Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with all the people. Like, Jesus grew. That means he didn't drift. He was intentional about growth in his life. And then we have this in Matthew 7. He, he, he has this pinnacle sermon where he's like announcing the kingdom to the people like, I, I'm here. And it's kind of confusing. It's like, wait, you know, like, it's not like fireworks and stuff. Like, I actually have to treat people with kindness and love, and I have to forgive people. And then he ends it with these words. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into 
practice. There's the key word. Puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. Practice. And I don't, I don't know about you, but like I, I like building things. Does anybody like building things? I, I blame my parents for buying me Legos, and like I have this desire to just see, see things build. Like it was so fun when we, we did the renovation, we saw this church build, but I, I've taken on a little bit of, a, um, I guess, a, a hobby of building things out of wood, and I'm not that good, and I, and I I'm really want to get better. I've done a couple projects, and the first few things I built out of wood were, were no good, but when COVID hit and we had a little bit, maybe more time at home, I said, I want to build a table. I want to build like a really cool table. And my wife was like, yeah, good luck, you know? <laughs> and uh, actually she, she cheerleaded me the whole way. She was awesome. But I probably spent a lot of time thinking about it and talking about it and looking at YouTube videos and talking to Ryan and like, do you have this? And I need to do this. And, and Eric got me a sander and, and I was working on this table and I, I, you know, you build this table and, and you build the foundation and then you build the top. And I was super proud of it. Here it is. I did pretty good, right? There's my family sitting at the table and, and I, I got done and I brought my family. I was like, hey, check out this table. And my son knocks. Oh, I love knocks. I love all my kids, but Knox said, great job, Dad. Hey, but the top's a little wobbly. <laughs> like, my, my water seems like it might fall down. <laughs> Do you ever feel like that? Like, man, I got a good foundation, but the top's just a little wobbly. <laughs> I have felt like that in life. And I have felt like that in my prayer life in my connection with God. Like sometimes I, I have some foundation, but like the top's a little wobbly and sometimes I drift out of prayer because I'm not thinking about it. Sometimes I drift out of connection with God because I'm not working on it or practicing on it. It's kind of like Matt's golf swing. It's just a little, little wobbly. <laughs> Sorry, Matt's, <laughs> Matt had it coming. So um, I love this Craig Grishel said this, Matt actually told me about the sermon that Craig preached recently on, on habits, and he says this, desires don't determine who you become. Disciplines determine who you become. Desires don't determine what you do. Disciplines determine what you do. Our lives are going the way they are because of the habits we have or have not cultivated in our life. We don't just drift into prayer. And prayer is one of the keystone habits, I believe, for us as we, we desire to connect with God and to care for other people. I believe the more we pray about other people, the more we love other people. And I believe the more we, we just try to connect with God and desire him to be involved in our life, the closer we get. It's like a relationship with your spouse, with a friend. Like if you don't talk, you won't ever grow in that relationship. And if I desire to pray but never create a discipline of prayer in my life, my prayers may never even have a chance of being answered. I may have never even given prayer in my life a chance to be answered because I never took the time to cultivate a habit 
and a practice of praying. I may never even give a chance for God to show up in my life because I never took the time to build in to my life a rhythm or a habit or a discipline of connecting with him. And prayer is how we do that. And, you know, there's a lot of books written about habits, and there's a lot of things that go into it. And here's basically what we've learned, okay? Here's what we've learned. Start small. Have a visual reminder. That's what they call a cue, okay? For me, it's my alarm clock. Every morning, you know, my alarm clock goes off. I want to go and pray. Have a routine. Like Nike says, just do it okay? Words of wisdom, just do it, and then focus on the enjoyment. There you go. I've summed up every book on habits you will read. Start small, have a reminder, do the routine, focus on the enjoyment. And if we build these small things into our lives, actually a book came out recently that talked about if you want to learn how to floss, you start one tooth at a time. Every day, just wake up and just do one tooth, and pretty soon, you'll be flossing. Same thing with running. I started running because my wife said, let's do a couch to 5K. Like, 5K, that sounds like a lot. But it was just, you know, hey, let's just start tomorrow. Let's just run a half a mile, and then a mile, and then a mile. And now I run 10 miles, and it's, and it's great. Speaking, you know, when I first, Matt invited me first time to speak, it was like, whoa, that's, you know, but you work on it. You work on speaking. And these are the ingredients of our lives that we like, we, we build our lives around these habits and things that we want to do. So let's, let's do that for prayer. I think that that should be a part of what we're doing. And, and so we're going to walk through just four ingredients of prayer. And these are, you can start small, really small, or these are elastic because they can be something that, I mean, you could do throughout your day. You could spend hours in these things. And these are the ingredients. And, and like Matt said in his email, I think, this week, hey, this is not a formula. There's no guarantee. But I do believe that if we practice these four things in our prayer life, we'll grow closer to God. And we'll, we'll begin to see the fruit of prayer in our life. So, like I said, start small. And here's, here's, here's my, uh, you know— Matt said this last week, I agree, hey, I'm not a master at prayer, I'm not a prayer, you know, warrior, but a couple years ago, I started, this was my word for the year, is prayer, and I started learning more and more and practicing and cultivating a prayer life, and it's cool to see how that has grown in my life, and, and then to start to see, if you record it, like how God's answering prayers, but here's, here's the first thing, I love this, and Jesus says this in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, that famous sermon we were talking about. He says, find a quiet and secluded place where you won't be tempted to role play before God. Oh, I love that, role play before God. Because when we get around other people, sometimes we role play before God. And then he says, just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. There you go. Start small. Start simple. Just find a spot. For me, I have a blue chair. It's a velvet blue chair. I don't know why we got it. <laughs> but, but we have this blue chair. And that has become my spot. It says this in, in Luke. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. He had a place. He had a spot. He often withdrew and played in these places. And when he finished, he, I don't know if he was glowing or what, but the, the disciples said, Jesus, Jesus, Teach us 
to pray. We want to learn how to pray. Teach us. And that's the first spot. First step is just to find a spot. Find, find it. And it can be in the middle of your day. It can be in the middle of your workday. You could just pause. Actually, John Wesley, the founder of, of Methodism, his mom, they, they had like, I think, nine or 12 kids. They had kids, and she was involved in so much, but she had this apron she would just put over her head. And, and her kids knew that when she put the apron on, you don't talk to mom. She's in her spot. Maybe some of you, you just need to take your shirt and put it over your head, you know, in the office. No, don't do that. But, but find a spot and maybe have a spot in the morning, maybe in the afternoon, maybe in the evening, and just something, just a visual reminder, a cue that like, hey, that's, you know, for me, when I'm sitting at my desk, like, that's my cue and reminder to open my laptop and start working. So sometimes I go around my desk and I sit on the other side just because something about that movement, finding a spot opens me to the presence of, of God and, and to prayer. And it seems like, oh, let's just get, you know, just keep moving forward. But I think that's a really important piece. A lot of times we say, oh, I'm just going to pray. You know, I'm working on prayer. And then we just go through our day and we just kind of try to pray. How would you feel like if that was your spouse? Like you just kind of doing the thing and you never actually took time to, to, to have a conversation and have a spot and like sit around the dinner table at night after the kids are in bed. Like it just doesn't work. You got to have a spot. But ultimately, you just have to start. Start somewhere. And no matter where you start in prayer, I think it's beneficial. Mother Teresa said it this way. The more I pray, the better I get. And the better I get, the more I pray. I so enjoy that truth. It is. It is. The more I pray, the better I get. And, and the more I pray. I feel like God is moving in the midst of my prayer. So here's the four things. Ready? It's really, it's, it's simple, it's foundational, but I think it could change your life. It could change your prayer life. It has changed mine. Okay? These four things, four, four things. Pray. Pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. Pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. And here's the first one. Pause. And I, I just alluded to this, but, you know, in any relationship, if you don't take time to listen and just stop the chaotic onslaught of your day, you'll, you'll never connect relationally. And I think the same is true for God. If we never take time to pause. Pete Grigg, in, in this, this book, he wrote this book, How to Pray. He talks about this story where he was sitting at a cafe and just enjoying his coffee, and all of a sudden he heard this commotion. And everybody looked over, and there was people like jump, yelling and jumping out of the way. And what he saw was this greyhound dog that was running, and its leash was connected to the silver bistro chair. And every time the chair hit the ground, the dog like jumped and ran faster. And it hit, and faster, and faster, and faster, and faster, and faster, and faster. And it was like, I mean... This, this chair was like biting at the dog, and that's what he meant. Like, there's this monster behind me, and he's just running through the streets, and, and everybody's like, whoa, look out, you know? And it just created this, this cycle of chaos and fear. 2020, anybody? 
Have we created a cycle of fear and chaos in our lives because we don't ever take time to stop? And all we need is the master to come over and say, hey, hold on, hush, hush, hush. Calm down. Calm down. I got this. You know, take off the chair. Who knows what sparked that dog to run, but I feel like that in my life sometimes. My day just gets rolling, and it's just like, it's going, it's going, and it's going. And I try to outrun all the problems in my life. I try to just, I just got to run faster. I just got to do more. I just got to keep up, you know. At some point, it's just going to kill me, you know, if I don't ever stop and pause and wait. Corey Tin Boom, <laughs> a pioneer of prayer. She says, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll just make you busy. He'll just make you busy. And I really believe that so many of us, we are just living these busy, busy lives. We don't take the time. Dallas Willard said, hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life and slow down and pause. Last year, I, I, that was the book, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, that I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on this this year. And I did, and I read it, and it was great, and I learned some habits, but then life just keeps going on every day. It's like the bistro chair just showed up again, and then, you know, and then you get it kind of, and it shows up again. That's why we need to cultivate the practice and rhythm of slowing down each and every day. Just pause. Take a deep breath. Wait on God. I believe this. You can have a busy life and still have a prayer life, but you can't have a busy soul and still have a prayer life. We don't ever give time for our soul to catch up. I know I don't. It's, it's a struggle sometimes. Just let your soul catch up with your body because the God that created us, he longs to be with us. He wants to be with us. He wants to be in a relationship with us. Spouses, like, you can see how foundational this is in your marriage to just pause and connect relationally. Parents with kids, like, you can get caught up into all this stuff. Just pause. And just stop. And, and that silence, sometimes it's uncomfortable for us, but even if it's just a few seconds and allow our soul to catch up with our bodies, it's so important. That's the first one, is, is to pause. Second step is to rejoice. When I pray, I often just jump in with requests. You know, it's just like, you know, it's just, it's like, you know, Knox, the kid who I said, hey, you're just a little wobbly. Like, he wakes up every morning and he is just going. He just starts talking about everything. Everything he sees, everything he thought about that night, everything he wants to do today. He goes to Echo and he says, Echo, is it going to rain today? Every single day. And uh, even if there's a 10% chance, he's like, yeah! He's just filled with such joy and then it never rains and I have to explain to him, hey, we live in the desert. <laughs> like, it doesn't rain that often here. But he just goes and sometimes uh, it, you just have to pause and just say, hey, let's chill. Like, Hey, it's raining. Even with, like, raindrops are falling, he's like, is it going to rain more? Is it going to rain more? Is it going to rain more? Just enjoy the rain. Take time to enjoy God. Search for the good things in life. 
this should be throughout the day, too. Like, when you see something, to just stop and say, God, thank you for creating that sunset. Thank you for creating the rain. Thank you for that conversation I had today. Thank you for whatever, I mean, coming home, helping me get home safely, helping me go. But, but if we can stop and pause and just, like, search our day, like, what can I look for the joy in today? Or this past week? What has brought you joy? Even in the midst of our suffering. Like we, we have a God who is with us in the midst of our suffering. We have a God who is with us in the midst of our pain. But he's not going to do all of the work for us. He's going to say, slow down. Have you, have you seen how I've already been working in the midst of this for you? Have you seen already how I've brought people into your life to walk through this with you? 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Matt used this verse last week. He's talking about prayer. But it starts with this. Rejoice always. We, we need to always be rejoicing. And pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Paul assumes that we are working on cultivating a life of prayer and connectivity with our Father that translates to the world in which we live. That's what prayer is. It's this ongoing conversation with God. And yes, there, we should have a set time. I believe that there's, that's so important, even if it's just one minute or five minutes. You know, if you're Mother Teresa, like maybe that's a couple hours, but, but even just a little bit. But throughout our day, we should be rejoicing. Psalm 104 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. I mean, there's just so many verses. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And Jesus' famous prayer, our Father in heaven, he starts it with this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. How awesome is your name? Like, just rejoice in God. Next step is, is ask. And the word pray actually means ask. It comes from the Middle English to ask earnestly. And I don't think, you know, typically we don't have much trouble talking to God about what we're, we're wanting earnestly. But I think a lot of times we, we don't actually ask questions in our prayer that allow God to answer. I think a lot of times, and I, I'm guilty of this, I tell God statements and I say I'm asking God because I give him the solution. It's like, here's the problem, here's the solution. If you could do it, thanks. And then when he doesn't do it exactly the way I said I want him to do it, I'm like, God, where are you? He's like, you seem like you got it handled. You seem like you've got it all under control. You didn't leave any room for me. So this is something I started learning to do is asking open-ended questions to God. Just a little bit more, not all of them, but like, God, man, my friend is sick. He's got cancer. God, would you... Would you show up in his life? Like, would you let him know that you're near? Like, are you able to do that? God, are you able to bring healing in his life? And I ask, and I'll ask, and I'll ask, and I'll ask. And sometimes I'll say, maybe, God, I'll, I'll give him, is that me? Do I just need to call him today and, and encourage him? Lord, is it, is it answered? Can you remove that cancer from him? But sometimes God might be doing something else behind the scenes that I don't even know. He might be working in, in my friend's life in ways that I don't even understand. And that's where sometimes I don't pause and just listen and wait for God's answers to my questions. But ask. 
Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. He wants us to ask like little children, to have a childlike faith, to have hope and ask our father for things. I think that Pete Greig says, says this to one of our primary privileges as God's children is to ask audaciously and repeatedly for the things we need and to expect God to answer us in whatever way he sees fit. Sometimes we don't pray because we don't ask. We're, we're just like, yeah, yeah, I mean, God, you know it. You, you know God, right? You know, you know what I need, right? He's like, but, but ask me. <laughs> Imagine if my son came to me, he's like, hey, Dad, you know, you know what I need, right? I'm like, well, I don't know. Do you need water? Do you need food? You know, like, do you want candy? What are, what are you wanting? Tell me, ask me. And I think we can get better at asking for God and then, and then waiting for God to answer in whatever way he sees fit. And I love this. Jesus, you know, after he says, ask and you will find, knock and the door will be open. He says, he, he gives this parable of the father and his son and like, ask the father. And then he says, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? When was the last time you asked God for more of the spirit? Like a lot of times we're just like have a list. And we're praying for other people. That's called intercession, right? We're praying for other people. Fancy, why did Christians have fancy words for everything? Intercession is praying for other people. Petition is praying for me. And pardon is asking God for forgiveness. And I think all three of those are important. I should ask God for things in my life, like a, like a father and a son. I should ask God on behalf of my friends. And I should ask God for forgiveness for the ways I haven't shown up in the way he's called me to show up. But how often do I ask God for the Holy Spirit? God, just help me to have the presence of the Spirit today to when I see a need to address it. <laughs> I, I can't remember who said this, but first you pray for the, pray for the poor and then, and then you feed them. That's how prayer works, Right? Sometimes we just need to ask God, like, how are you wanting me to show up in the midst of this in that person's life? And an open-ended question, and I guarantee God will start answering some, some of those prayers. He, and, and we stop sometimes because we don't always see the answer to the prayer that we're, we're praying. But you know what? God's been around for a long time. He's older than 25. He's older than 33. He's, he's been around for a while. So there may be some prayers that I'm asking God that may be unfinished stories when I'm no longer here. That God is continuing to write in the next generation, in the next generation. I mean, that's what Hebrews 11 is. It's like all of these, these amazing forefathers of our faith, they weren't around to see where their prayers were going. And sometimes we just need to stick in the, stay with the story. Look at the, the story that God is writing because sometimes we just, we just need to stick with it, even if it's unfinished, and allow the Spirit to guide us in our asking. And last step, yield. Do you all know what yield means? Matt talks about Shea a lot <laughs> in the traffic on Shea. Sometimes I go via cactus, because I hear Matt talk about Shea, and like, that's going to get me in trouble if I go via Shea. So I'm going to go via cactus. And they have these roundabouts. And it gets frustrating sometimes because people don't know how to drive in a roundabout. It's like, wait, wait, wait. You know, your blinker's on and you're stopped. That's not what yield means. Okay? 
I think sometimes we stop when we should be going, and sometimes we go when we should be yielding and stopping. And yielding is really about just becoming more and more reliant on God for the things in our life. Paul Miller, who wrote this great book on prayer, he says, if you are not praying, then you are quietly confident that time, money, and talent are all you need in life. <laughs> oh, that stings a little bit, right? Quietly confident that I have everything I need. And God's like, all right, then just go. Just drive. You know, and then we come to God in these moments of desperation, like, God, where have you been? And he's like, I've been there the whole time. Like, why are you just picking up the phone right now? Like, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to know what you're going through. I want to be involved in your life. And, and we have time, money, and talent. I think everybody that's listening right now has time, money, and talent. I think there's a temptation to allow those things to, to be the focus of our life instead of God. They take the place of what God wants to have in a relationship with us. When I teach this prayer to my kids, which I do, as families, pause, rejoice, ask, and I change this why to yes. Be able to say, yes, God. Yes, God. Like, we're showing up today for you, and we're going to let, let you be in charge. And, and so if maybe it's something I'm working on, like I've been praying this, this prayer, I th maybe it's just a parent thing, but um, slow to anger, <laughs> quick to listen, slow to speak. And so I pray that, and I say, God, you know, I'm working on this. Can I, can I, I just want to let you go in front. I just want to let you be in charge of, of my life. And Jesus has this prayer, the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, in his prayer, he says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours. That's yielding. God, I'm going to pray for this. I'm going to ask for this because you've told us to ask for things in our life. But at the end of the day, God, I'm going to yield. And I'm just going to say yes to you because I want you to be present in the midst. I don't want to just try to accomplish things that you're trying to accomplish. I want to let you work where you need to work. And then you speak into my life where I need to be loving and caring for others and showing up. And so, I think if we, if we pray this simple prayer each day, and it could be quick, or it could be long, we just start small, start somewhere. I really believe that God is, is going to show up. He's faithful and just to forgive us and, and to be involved in our lives. And Pete Greig says this, here's the best, best advice he's ever received on prayer. Keep it simple, keep it real, keep it up. Paul says it similarly, similarly in Colossians. He says, devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Just devote yourself, just keep it up. Build this practice in, into your life. I, I really believe it has changed my life, and I, I really believe it can change. Well, imagine if we all just started praying for one another, praying for our church, praying for our community. Imagine if we all just started to pause and yield 
and to ask big questions of God and to expect him to show up. And so here's, here's my challenge for us this week. is Just one time, one time a day, seven days, just one time a day, let's pray, pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. Just one time a day. And, and it, for those of you that want to do version, we started, kicked off a version this morning. It's seven days of prayer. And here's the link that, that you can jump in. Seven days of prayer. And this is just a start, right? I think that we want to build this habit into our lives, but let's start somewhere. Let's start small. Just one time a day this week to pray. And so to close, I'm just going to, I'm just going to walk us through this simple prayer together. Can we do that? Heavenly Father, today, we just pause. We're grateful for you, God. We're grateful for the rain. We're grateful for the way you continue to show up in our lives. We're grateful for the family of believers, of family of faith that are encouraging us at McDowell. We thank you for the technology that we can watch online or wherever we are. We thank you for showing up in our story this week. God, we are grateful. God, we ask that you would continue to write an incredible story at McDowell. God, can you show up and in 25 or 50 or 75 years? God, can you create some prayer warriors that would surround this place with prayer and not just here, but to go into the community and in neighborhoods to offer love and grace and peace to the neighbors and the people around us? God, will you remind us today to pause and pray? Please, God, we're expecting you to show up in our lives today. We just yield to you. We just thank you for being in charge and we don't have to, God. And we just, we just rely on you. Let your will be done and your kingdom come. 